Welcome to the space game. Nobody compares to Atari. Excuse me. Have you compared them to Intellivision? Intellivision? Sure, they've got great space games, like Intellivision Space Battle. I didn't know. And now there's Space Armada and the incredible Astro Smash. I didn't know. Here, compare for yourself. Intellivision Space Games from Mattel Electronics. Once you compare, you'll know. Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally an Intellivision game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, I'm your host. Thanks for listening. Did I say this was episode 228? 229. 229. Thank you, Henry. Thanks for listening, everybody. Henry's back. How you doing, Henry? Good. Good. The world's kind of a dumpster fire still, as this episode is being recorded. So hope possibly literally. Possibly literally, yes, Henry. So hopefully things are uh, relatively okay where you are, and that they will continue to improve. We'll keep cranking out episodes uh, because everybody needs a break from the gloom and doom that is the world right now. What's new, Henry? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I'm going to be adding new stuff to the store. Oh, awesome. Can you give us a, a peek at what it is? A coloring book, a how to draw book, and more regular drawings. Wow, okay. We will get those up on the Instagram as soon as we can. As Henry has mentioned before, half of what he makes off of his art for right now is going to COVID-19 charities, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Go check it out on the Instagram, the Atari Bytes Instagram, if you are able. Any other news, Henry? No. Yeah, me either. Why don't we go to this week's game? This week's game is... Floyd here claims to have had a close encounter. Claim? I saw So we wanted to get his reaction to Intellivision Space Battle. That's it! That's it! It happened just like that! There was a ship that took me in! Oh, and those explosions! I'll never forget it, Mr. Plinkin! Thank you, Floyd. Intellivision Space Battle. You may never come closer... To a close encounter. Ain't you listening? Space Battle, 1979, from Mattel. When I think of Mattel, I really only think of Barbie dolls. So in my head, it's a little weird to think of them making video games, but they did. Uh, I guess in the late 70s, everybody wanted to make games for the uh, Atari and the television. So Mattel said, why not us? And they did. And they made this one. And we'll talk about whether we like it or not in a few minutes. For those of you not familiar with the game, Space Battle is a one- or two-player game. Uh, We're told right there in the front of the manual. Uh, My copy of the manual is for the Sears Telegames cartridge. It's a very plain-looking manual, monochrome, basically. It's it's white with uh, sort of, what is that, burgundy lettering on it. It's a one- or two-player game. We're told, attack alert. Five alien squadrons closing on mother ship. You have three squadrons with which to defend her. Check enemy positions on radar screen, then dispatch your squadrons. When they reach alien squadrons, go to battle. Screen switches to battle mode. Battle screen. You move the gun sight to aim. You fire converging missiles. Watch out. The aliens shoot back. It's you against the computer-controlled invaders. Only you can save the mother ship from disaster. For color TV viewing. Uh, I've basically told you how to play the game. It's a thick manual. I'm not going to go through all of this, but because uh, it's fairly repetitive, basically. But here's what you've got. Space Battle is a game of strategy and skill, the manual tells us. If you want to win against the computer and save the mother ship, read this booklet. So, 
First we're told to plug in the Intellivision game system, or the, sorry, the Super Video Arcade. Plug in the controllers, put the overlays into the controllers. This is one of the games I had, one of the six or seven games that I had as a kid with the Intellivision that we bought because uh, Dad didn't want to wait wanted to wait for this rather than get the Atari. Um, so I still have, you know, the box and the original manual and overlays and everything. So a very nostalgic trip down gaming memory lane here. Take a few minutes according to the manual to get thoroughly familiar with controls on your hand controller. I can't imagine sitting there for a few minutes looking at this controller because it's really not that complicated. You control three home squadrons in Space Battle. They are color-coded, blue, white, and gold. And it's clearly labeled on your overlay squadrons and they're color-coded, as it says, blue, white, and gold. You can do three things. You can dispatch your squadron, meaning send it after the alien squadron. You can return it to base, which is the mothership. You can go to battle with it after it reaches an alien squadron and starts blinking. Those are the th three choices you have. To dispatch a squadron, you use the top row of keys called squadron keys. They're color-coded blue, white, and gold to correspond to your three squadrons. This lets you pick which squadron you want to dispatch. To return a squadron to base, Use the second row of keys labeled Return to Base. These are also color-coded to correspond to your squadrons. To go to battle with the squadron, use the third row of keys labeled Get Ready, Go to Battle. You can only go to battle with the squadron that is blinking. The remaining controls are Radar Key, which looks like a radar dish, and is actually, I think, labeled Radar. Right, Henry? Yeah, so I'm looking at the overlay. It says Radar. This takes you away from battle screen and back to the radar screen. The alien key, which is labeled alien, lets you pick which alien squadron you want to go after. Each time you press it, a different alien squadron turns from white to purple. This is the alien you are going after if you hit a, if you hit a squadron key now. The fire buttons on the side, all four of them, are identical. You can press any one you want when you're in battle to fire two converging missiles at the point covered by your gun sight. The direction disc. This is your aiming device, used only when you are in battle. It lets you move your gun sight around the screen until it covers an alien fighter. To move gun sight up, press the top edge of the disc. To move it right, press the wait for it right edge of the disc, and so forth. In 16 directions around the disc. Holy crap. They had some technology in 1979. You could move in 16 directions, Henry. There's a whole page devoted to how to hold the hand controller. There's none of that, you know, just telling you hold the controller with the, the red fire button in the upper left corner stuff like Atari does. They actually give you a diagram with hands showing you how to hold the controller. I will skip that part because I'm going to assume that you guys can figure that out. You can play a two-player version of this game. Henry and I did not. We are very independent sorts, so we played one-player versions. Uh, but if you wanted to play two-player, you could. Uh, one person controls the direction disc to move the gun sight. The other person rides shotgun on the fire button, and both hand controllers are used to play the game in this manner. That's too much teamwork. That seems like, yeah, that really... <laughs> I've taught Henry that teamwork is icky, so that seems like too much teamwork. I'm kidding, I have not taught Henry that teamwork is icky. Don't send me nasty emails. Just wait, they're gonna send you nasty emails anyway. <laughs> if you couldn't hear that, Henry's saying that you're gonna send me nasty emails anyway. Thank you, Henry. Appreciate that. Space battles played on two different fields, we've talked about this. This this is where this manual starts to get repetitive. There's the radar screen. And there's the battle screen. Skip ahead to any, uh... Okay. There are... Here's what, Let's talk about selecting game speed. Space battle can be played at five different speeds. You must select a game speed before the game will start. Selecting game speed takes you to radar screen and starts the game. Beginning speed is slowest, and you press the gold key, squadron key for that. Medium speed is the white squadron key. 
fast speed is the blue squadron key, advanced speed is the direction disc, which I kept hitting just by accident, by reflex, basically, whenever I was playing, so I got crushed a lot. The super advanced speed can be obtained by pressing the blue return to base key. It is so fast, you're playing a game in 2029. That's how fast that super advanced speed goes. Advanced and super advanced speeds give a much more difficult game, we're told. See page 24 for more information. Alright, let's do that. Here we go. Page 24. Hold on to something. Alien squadrons do not slow down when you go to battle. On super advanced speed only, the alien lasers move faster and appear with much greater frequency when you are in battle. It is extremely difficult, but not impossible, to win a game on super advanced speed. Find points and other rules on the battle screen. The alien lasers will home in on your gun sight if you leave it on one place too long. Corners are particularly easy to get trapped in. When you hit an alien ship, fragments from the explosion may hit other alien ships, especially if the one you hit was part of a cluster. With careful aim and some luck, you can take out two, three, four, as many as five fighters with one shot. They helpfully include a space battle in brief section of the manual as a quick refresher for those who are already familiar with the game. So, consult that if you wish. The battle's over automatically when alien squadrons or your squadron is destroyed. You return to radar screen. The battle ends temporarily if you press the radar key, then take your squadron out of battle by pressing the right color return to base key. Computer fights any battle in progress that you do not actively control. Computer loses an average of one of your fighters for every three alien fighters lost. A siren tells you when one or more alien squadrons have reached danger zone boundary and are fighting are firing on mother's ship. The siren ends when you, you destroy really, the threatening alien squadrons. What's up? You can't really do anything when the aliens land on your mother's ship. No, it seems like at that point it's pretty much too late. If you don't destroy the threatening aliens in time, the mothership is destroyed. You hear a disaster signal and the entire screen turns red. Game over. When you destroy all five alien squadrons, you hear a victory horn and all clear screen. Game over. Full 90-day warranty on Super Video Arcade. Oh hey, you could order, there's a little thing in the back of the manual to order replacement overlays. Note, separate cartridges are needed for the programs listed below. Okay, so it wasn't just for space battles, for all sorts of games. Um, how much were they? There's no prices listed. Were they free? Holy cow. Allow four to six weeks for delivery. Offer subject to availability. I'll fill this out and send it to this address. See what happens. Well, it says to add sales tax. Oh, there it is. Check your money order for $1.25 per set of two overlays. Plus, in California, 6% sales tax. Alright, maybe I won't, because I'm cheap. I don't want to spend $1.25. And that is how you play Space Battle for the Intellivision. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way.
ntvfunhouse.com made the declaration that, quote, you shouldn't even have an Intellivision if you don't have Space Battle, one of the core games of the system. When you initially encounter combat in Space Battle, you must wonder if the bad guys are the Cylon Raiders from Battlestar Galactica. The ships sure do look like Cylon Raiders. At that time, Mattel seems to have had a license to sell Battlestar Galactica handheld games. I don't know if any of this is true. I'm just reading it in the review. This game was first published in the Action Network, but later made more difficult. ROM revised to speed up the game, and re-released in the Space Action Network with the dark blue box. This is a fun, simple shooter. The original television box, according to this review, had a very different image of Space Battle. Seems you had to track fuel usage and who knows what the other funky graphics are. Perhaps some of the ideas were reused in Space Spartans and Astro Smash. There's a whole breakdown of these different games. Space Art Battle is one of only two games to change its network affiliation, the other being Space Armada. Once Astro Smash, Space Armada, Star Strike, and Space Hawk were released, Space Battle jumped ship to the new network. Hence both the red and blue boxes. Variant also for the European market. He goes into detail about that. Space Battle was pretty easy to beat without losing any ships when it first came out. I remember when a friend of mine got his Inti a while after we had ours, perhaps it was Christmas of 81, he had Space Battle 2, but when I played at his place, it would kick my ass more than often than not. Apparently Mattel thought the game was too easy and jacked up the speed on it or something. There's more about that. He goes into great detail about the variants for the bat Space Battle overlays, Space Battle label variants, all sorts of stuff. I was pretty young when the original Battlestar Galactica TV show was on, but I remember it was cool. I watched it. I had some of the toys and everything. I never got into the later Battlestar Galactica series in the early 2000s. I know a lot of people love that thing. I never watched it. I really don't even think I saw, ever saw the pilot for it. If any of you have strong feelings about original Battlestar Galactica or later Battlestar Galactica, let me know. Even with my vague memories of the original Battlestar, I can definitely see that the ships in this game look like the Cylon ships. So I, I totally get that it's inspired. I don't know why they wouldn't have just called the game Battlestar Galactica then but I assume there's all sorts of legal reasons for that. Henry, I'm going to guess you've never seen any Battlestar Galactica of any kind. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You watch a lot of old TV. I wonder if Battlestar Galactica would ever pop up on there. If you ever see it, let me know. Giantbomb.com also discusses how the game was originally based on Battlestar Galactica, produced by, the game was, produced by APH Technological Consulting from Intel Electronics, programmed by Hal Finney, and tested by Dale Lynn. Hal Finney is a name I know. Why do I know that name? I'm clicking on the little hyperlink here. The internet has gone dark for some reason. Oh, it went to something that's blocked. I don't know. I'll research Hal Finney later. Or better yet, if any of you guys know why I should know who Hal Finney is or why maybe I do know who Hal Finney is, reach out on the social media or the other ways to contact me. Hey, leave a voicemail. How about that? I haven't gotten a voicemail for a while. But if you don't want to do that, just send me an email or something because I am curious now who that is. The game, according to this review, was tested by Dale Lynn. Two versions of the game were released, in a blue box and a red box. The red box was the initial release, and was eventually deemed too easy, and eventually the general public. So the more difficult version came out later, known as the blue box, as part of the Intellivision Space Action Network. The name was changed because, although one of Mattel's subsidiaries, Concepts 2000, had the rights to produce the official line of Battlestar Galactica toys, Mattel could not secure the license for the video game. Well, that answers my question, I guess. At the point that it, this was discovered, development had been underway for a while. The name was changed to the painfully generic Space Battle, but the graphics remained the same. That's true. I, I think they could have come up with something a little more original than Space Battle. That's a little on the nose, but oh well. 
but the graphics remain the same. This is why the enemy ships look like Cylon Raiders. Uh, and actually, you know, I'm looking at the, the cover, uh, the boxes here for the red box and the blue box. They are way cooler. Look at these. Look at this artwork, Henry. There's the red one, and that's the blue one. That's much cooler than what we get for the Super Video Arcade version of Space Battle, which is just a dude in an astronaut suit and, uh, like a space shuttle. Gives you the impression this is going to be a totally different game than what we actually get. The review goes into what you're supposed to do in the game. We already know that. They don't really give a, an opinion on whether it's a good game or not. Space Battle does get an entry on the Intellivision Wiki, but it's really just uh, a listing that says, hey, this was a game that existed. Blue Sky Rangers did an overview of the game. They actually included the box art for the Super Video Arcade version that I have. The other information they give is pretty much the same. They uh, credit the package illustration to Gerald Richardson. There's some screenshots. They include the 1981 catalog description, a little bit of the development history. They note that an M-Network Atari 2600 version called Space Attack was released. I'm not sure if I've played that one. If I've done it on the podcast already and you know this and I don't, I'm embarrassed. But I don't think I have. There's some game tips here from the Intellivision Game Club News, issue number 2, Winter 1982. Credited to Hal, one of our creative programmers. It's kind of basic stuff, frankly. Basically, it's keep aiming, keep moving, win the battle, don't lose the war, stuff like that. The original Battlestar Galactica TV series was created by Glenn A. Larson, who created pretty much everything on TV in the 1970s and 80s, I think. It starred Lauren Green, Richard Hatch, and Dirk Benedict. I'm going to change my name to Dirk Benedict, Henry. Is that okay? All right. Henry says that's okay. It follows the surviving humans as they flee in Battlestar Galactica and other ships and search for a new home while being pursued by the Cylons. The series ran for the 1978-79 season before being canceled. And I kind of remember watching the heck out of that thing when it was on, but I was pretty young then. In 1980, a write-in campaign revived the show as Galactica 1980 with 10 episodes. Books have also been written continuing the stories. Battlestar Galactica was remade in the early 2000s with a reimagined miniseries and weekly series. Basically, the plot is that in a distant star system, the 12 colonies of mankind were reaching the end of a thousand-year war with the Cylons, warrior robots created by a reptilian race which expired long ago, presumably destroyed by their own creations. Humanity was ultimately defeated in a sneak attack on their home worlds by the Cylons, carried out with the help of a human traitor, Count Baltar. Spoilers. Protected by the last surviving capital warship, a Battlestar, from Battle Starship, named Galactica. The survivors fled in available ships. They were commanded by Lauren Green, who led a ragtag fugitive fleet of about 220 ships in search of a new home. The pilot uh, had an $8 million budget, which was one of the most expensive at the time. It was released theatrically in Sensor Sound, Sensor Round, in various countries, including Canada, in 1978, Japan, and some in Western Europe. The show premiered September 17, 1978. It was a 148-minute pilot and got big ratings. Even though two-thirds of the way through the broadcast, ABC interrupted with a special report of the signing of the Camp David Accords at the White House by Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin and Egyptian President Anwar Sadat, witnessed, of course, by President Jimmy Carter. After the ceremony, ABC re- resumed broadcast at the point where it was interrupted. The interruption did not occur on the West Coast, and after the pilot was aired, the 125-minute theatrical version was given a nationwide U.S. cinema release in 79. It was originally going to be the first of three made-for-TV movies, but then uh, after the second one aired, they announced that it was be- going to become a weekly series, which caught, as a writer myself, I, I can sympathize here, this caught the writing and production st- 
staff off guard, which resulted in several standard, substandard Crash of the Week episodes until quality scripts could resume. Battlestar Galactica was criticized by Milor Durura in the Soviet newspaper Ivestia, who saw an analogy between the frictional colonial Cylon negotiations and the U.S.-Soviet SALT talks and accused the series of, do- of being inspired by anti-Soviet hysteria. 20th Century Fox sued Universal Studios, who produced the show for plagiarism, copyright infringement, unfair competition, and Lanham Act claims, claiming it had stolen 34 distinct ideas from Star Wars. Universal countersued, claiming Star Wars had stolen ideas from their 1972 film Silent Running and the Buck Rogers serials of the 1930s. Yeah, it's Buck Rogers. Yeah, they're talking about the little movies from even before the one that you're watching from the 1930s. All of this basically got resolved later uh, without going to trial. Star Wars director George Lucas also threatened legal action against Apogee Inc., the visual effects studio formed by John Dykstra and several other former artists from Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic who decided to remain in Van Nuys rather than relocate to San Rafael with the rest of the company. Lucas claimed that Apogee's work on Galactica was being done with equipment that he had left behind for a project that would be in direct competition against Star Wars. Eventually, Apogee agreed to surrender the equipment to ILM, and several members of Dykstra's team returned to ILM. Afterwards, Universal's newly formed visual effects division, Universal Heartland Visual Effects, took over the show's visual effects for the remainder of its run. Lucas also went after Galactica merchandise, claiming their Cylon Raiders and Colonial Viper toys could be confused with his own Star Wars toys. His major contention was that the Galactica toys featured plastic pellets that could be fired to simulate lasers, and these constituted a choking hazard for children, and he did not want to be blamed for such accidents, despite none of the Star Wars toys offered by Kenner having anything similar. The Galactica toys were subsequently redesigned so that the pellets would not leave the toy when fired. I remember that. I had one of those Vipers. I want to say I had one that did actually fire the pellets. I think I did, actually, before they got recalled. Flash forward to 2004... Battlestar Galactica was developed by Ronald B. Moore, an executive produced by Moore and David Icke as a reimagining of the 78 series. The pilot first aired as a three-hour miniseries comprising four broadcast hours in two parts in December 2003 on the Sci-Fi Channel, which was then followed by four regular seasons, ending its run on March 20, 2009. Edward James Olmos, Mary McDonald, Katie Sackhoff, Jamie Bamber, James Callis, Trisha Halfer, and Grace Park were in the cast. The series garnered a wide range of critical acclaim, including a Peabody Award, the Television Critics Association's Program of the Year Award, a placement inside Time's 100 Best TV Shows of All Time. We should watch this show, Henry. 19 Emmy nominations for writing, directing, costume design, visual effects, sound mixing, and sound editing. Three Emmy wins. New York Times placed the show on its list of the 20 best TV dramas since The Sopranos, a 20-year period many critics called the golden age of television. The plot of the series is basically the same as the original. Yeah, I'm reading the summary here. It's, it's basically the same premise. Out of a population numbering in the billions, only approximately 50,000 humans survive, most of whom were aboard civilian ships that avoided destruction of the colonial feat. The eponymous Battlestar Galactica appears to be the only military capital ship that survived under the leadership of Colonial Fleet Officer Commander William Bill Adama and now President Laura Roslin. The Galactica and its crew take up the task of leading the small fugitive feat of survivors into space in search of a fabled 13th colony known as Earth. Uh, the series spawned a prequel called Caprica, which aired for one season in 2010. Another spin-off, Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome, was released in November 2012 as a web series of 10 10-minute episodes. So there you go. We gotta go look for that show, dude. It sounds pretty good. Alright, well, after the break, battle your way into the second half of the show. 
Don't space out now. Alright, Henry, are you excited to play a 40-year-old television game inspired by a 50-year-old TV show that you've never seen? Sure. Alright, let's play Space Battle. Are you playing or am I playing? You're playing. Alright. Henry played this game once and totally crushed me uh, with oh, having never seen the game before. So we'll see how this goes. Alright, at the title screen, Space Battle. Copyright 1979 from Mattel. There you go. Oh, I accidentally hit the like super advanced level. So we'll see how this goes. No, that's the advanced. Just the advanced level. You're right. Sending out Blue Squadron. Let's do this. Hey. It was blinking. This could be a very short game. Man! I screwed up. Let's try this again. Pretend you didn't hear that. So it's a little bit frustrating. The star field is pretty, if unrealistic. I don't think star fields look quite that colorful. But maybe they do. I'd be dead. Nope. I'd be dead again. The explosions are satisfying. Mothership. No victory horn today. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which were mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. 
Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about space battle. Henry, do we like space battle? Kind of. Kind of. You always say kind of. What do you kind of like about this game? Oh, I like the I like the part where you like to shoot the aliens. <laughs> what do you like about it? Do you just like shooting aliens? Yeah. I like, well, obviously that's the fun part because that's where stuff is actually happening. But I think it's very colorful. I think the explosions, uh, you know, when you're playing video games, you want really satisfying explosion sounds. And I think that, that all works. I don't know it's realistic to have the stars so many different colors. I'm not sure that's how it actually looks. But I've never flown a spaceship through space, so I guess I don't know that. And now it's time for our, our continuing segment. What game is Henry playing while we podcast about a different game? Farming Simulator. What is it? Farming Simulator. Farming Simulator? Yeah. I guess I, it's kind of obvious from the name, but what are you doing in the game? I'm farming. You're farming. What specifically are you farming? This is like pulling teeth, man. What crops are you farming? Wheat and flour. Wheat and flour? And then what, what are you responsible for watering them and planting them? And we don't, we don't, we don't water them. Okay. What do you have to do? You plant them and then they, go, then they grow. Okay. And then do you have to uh, harvest them and take yeah. them to market or anything? How do you get points? Is the game where you get points? Or no, is it... you just get money. Okay. After you after you sell them? Yeah. Are there like, uh, I, I don't know, crows or something eating no. your crops? No. Are there enemy farmers? No. Wrangler, wheat wranglers no. trying to steal your crops? No. Okay. Is it fun? Yeah. All right. This has been What Game Is Henry Playing? while well, we podcast about a different game. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. Henry, do you have a story to tell the people? No. All right. Well, I do. I know it's a shocker every week when it turns out I actually do have a story. This week's story actually comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner. And it is truly bad poetry this week, so my apologies. It was that kind of week. It is titled, get ready, Space Battle. Things, possessions, stuff. You could put it there. You could put it here. You could put it anywhere. Space is infinite. Your stuff is not. Though sometimes it seems like it. Clothes, books, games. Nonstick pans, obelisks, and the occasional parakeet. How do we accumulate all this? Where should everything go? We need space for stuff, so we claim it. Sometimes peacefully. Sometimes it's a battle. What's ours is ours. What's yours is yours. Sometimes that's not the end of the story. Thus the old joke. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is also mine. The battle is real. George Carlin said, Their stuff is shit, and your shit is stuff. Don't listen to that, Henry. We love our stuff. Though now, 
with recent events, maybe less so than before. And we value the spaces we call our own. But pandemic has forced us to spend more time in those spaces, ensconced in there, surrounded by stuff. At first we are cozy, shielded from the outside. After a while, though, even much of our own stuff becomes tiresome. Old, faded, cheap, or otherwise unsatisfying. Collapsing in on us as we tumble through turmoil, like a leaping stuntman's cardboard boxes. Does the stuff that completes our spaces really complete ourselves? Maybe the space battle isn't so much about space, as it is about where we fit into that space. When finally we can go to new spaces, will we think about the stuff that can fill it? Or the selves who can fill it? Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket Jeff Fulton from the Into the Vertical Blank Growing Up Atari podcast. You're listening to the incomparable Bill and his wonderful stories, gameplay sessions, and just plain fun that he has with his Atari and sometimes in television systems here on the Atari Bytes podcast. We cover all things Atari from the 2600 through all the video game systems, computers, and more. Our first game system was the 2600, and we loved it. We still do. So when you want more Atari, come visit us in the vertical blank. And that's our show. Thanks to Henry for hanging out with me again. Thanks, Henry. Yeah. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and CompTech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. Apple Podcasts has plenty of space for you to leave a five-star review of this podcast. No battle required. It's all good. Just share your feelings. Email the show at AtariBytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also look us up on Instagram, where soon there will be even more art from Henry, including all the stuff that's already there. Uh, so go check that out as well. And don't forget, you can call us. We're not going to answer the phone, though. That's just how we roll. But you can leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978 about pretty much anything you want. Do you have thoughts about Battlestar Galactica, the game we talked about, any of the games we've talked about, the stories that you hear, what's going on in the world, pretty much anything uh, within reason, we'll play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com, for information about this show, links to episodes, social media, all of that, as well as all that same stuff for my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, which is a monthly deep dive into all things related to the Peanuts comic strip. And I mean all things. We talked about the strip, the characters, the TV show, cartoonist Charles Schultz himself. We have interviews with actors who've done voices for the show. We have writers. We have playwrights. We have pretty much anything and everything in the Peanuts universe is over there on that podcast. You're a fan of Peanuts, admit it. And you definitely know a dozen people at least who are. So listen to that show. Tell other people to listen to that show. And find out more about it at carnivalofgleecreations.com. I know things are weird right now, but if you can, please consider supporting the podcast financially by becoming a subscriber on patreon.com. There's an Atari Bytes page over there. If you subscribe, you can get access to episodes early. The episodes normally drop on Sundays, but you don't necessarily have to wait until Sunday. If you're a subscriber on the Patreon, you might also get bonus content. There's stuff that we do related to Atari Bytes that we don't really talk about on the regular feed. One of our ongoing projects is discussing the very strange 
cartoon series, Pac-Man The Ghostly Adventures. I keep saying another episode of that is coming, and it is, um, but I don't know exactly when, but there will be another one. There are already some episodes up there. Uh, there's some other stuff that we've done uh, that's uh, fun, I hope, and if you're a subscriber, uh, you might be able to get access to that, so please consider it. Thanks to my current patrons, Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike. You guys are awesome for sticking with us, even during the turmoil that is the world right now, so big props for that. All right, anything else we need to talk about before I get to what's coming up next week, Henry? No. All right, Henry says no. Next time on Atari Bytes, and television month rolls on, we're going gambling, baby. We're playing poker and blackjack. Should be fun, huh, Henry? I can teach you about the fine art of gambling, which I think is good for any any kid to know. I don't know. Maybe after that, we'll talk about uh, drag racing and uh, getting drunk. What do you think? All right. Should be fun. Poker and blackjack next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.